Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Mars. Today, we take a closer look at shrinking resources at area colleges and universities and the impact on students and staff. Higher education has taken serious financial hits in recent years, the result of state funding reductions and declining enrollment. And it's showing there have been reductions in staff and some academic programs. Joining us in studio is Ryan Berry, a mass communication major and editor-in-chief of the student newspaper at SIU in Edwardsville. Daniel Redifer is an UMSL public policy and administration major. Dre Williams is majoring in theater and business at UMSL. Dennis McDonald teaches history at St. Louis Community College and Jefferson College and is joining us by phone. I thank you all so much for being with us. Nice to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Post-Dispatch did a fairly lengthy story on this situation this morning. I'm going to read one line from it, giving us a sense of what's going on. I quote, among degrees that potentially may be cut at UMSL are anthropology, communications, political science, and theater. That's a report compiled by a committee of deans and faculty. Professor, let me begin with you. Uh, What is the source of this strain in in finances right now? Um, Well, I think it's uh, it's important to remember that this is a bit of a manufactured crisis. This is something that's been ongoing. Um, It's not like we couldn't see this this crisis coming As, as states cut their funding to tuition over the past couple decades, and uh, student tuition rose in proportion to that. They started hiring more adjuncts, and they started looking to cut programs. And again, I think it's reflective of our um, desire to kind of start to begin to approach higher education as a business model when we hear about the corporatization of higher education, and, this, and I think that this crisis is reflected in that desire. My, my impression is that where once uh, once uh, state majority funding was the majority funding for these institutions, but now it's student funding. Is that square with what you know? Absolutely, and I think it's important that when we have this conversation, and I thank you for having the students on. I think they're the ones that are they're obviously some of the primary stakeholders in this conversation. Um, but it's, it's and we have to make sure that we're going to restore those fundings. For example, in election year, when our legislators talk about fully funding higher education. They're really just talking about keeping it funded at, funded at last year's levels instead of looking for ways to kind of restore some of that funding that's been taken away over the decades and relieve that burden on some of our students. But if there is no money, there is no money. Professor? Well, I think that it's, it's <laughs> that's, while that's true, it's, it's, a lot of it has to do with how we prioritize. And, you know, we, I think we need to hold our legislatures accountable and say maybe we shouldn't be offering uh, tax cuts across the board over and over again in reducing the ability of our state to contribute to our higher, higher education institutions. Well, let's go to the student. Well, Missouri's well below the uh, national average in funding per student now. We'll go to the students now, but, uh, you know, break in any time you have something to add to this conversation, Professor. Okay? Thank you. All right. Let me start with Ryan. Let's, let's get your input on what's going on. What's your, what do you make of it all? Uh, I think it's really sad in the sense that Students are going into more debt than ever before just to try and get a degree, and yet some current students may be just losing out on their program, and it's not like you can completely transfer over everything um, into another school, so you're losing out money there. But the problem comes when you look at administration's uh, salaries and how they are not astronomically high, but they're very high. Whereas maybe there is an argument to be made that they can start taking cuts instead of taking away from the students themselves. Mm -hmm. Daniel, what do you think of this? Um, Well, 
uh, like the professor said, it's all about uh, priorities um, in how we're funding education. Um, we can't continue to give um, Rex, uh, you know, the I don't know, the Rex, the the main, the main, the richest, one of the richest guys in Missouri. His tax Sigfeld, cuts, Rex yeah, Rex Sigfeld, uh, Sigfeld um, his corporate, or his tax cuts, um, and fund education at the same time. Um, whenever education, uh, whenever tuition goes up, um, you know, we as students have to look at what kind of services we're being provided with. Um, you know, uh, if if our tuition is going up, why do I have to go to a college that um, has uh, potholes in its parking lot the size of the Grand Canyon? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> why uh, do I have to pay a higher tuition when our faculty's uh, wages and salaries have been stagnated over uh, the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, I think it has to, a lot to do with prioritization. Um, cause the money is there. They're just not prioritizing the money. What kind of debt are you going to wind up with when all is said and done? Uh, me personally. Yeah. Um, I've got about $60,000 in debt. Um, and that's coming from other institutions. Um, cause I'm a transfer student and also uh, coming from a different major. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, that's considerable, obviously. Dre, let me turn to you because uh, w- one of the uh, programs that is going to be affected is one you're in, theater program at Umsel. Yes, correct. Uh, give us y- your your feelings about what's going on and why you think <clears throat> it's happening. Well, I mean, I think it also boils down to the choices that administration makes in terms of how money is being distributed across the university as well. And I with this information about possibly my program being cut, it's disheartening. Um, I'm a student that has gotten a lot of help from that department in many ways. That department has felt like family more so than anywhere else I've been on campus. They provided opportunities for me more so than anywhere I've been on campus. And I, I really feel like they care about the students in that department. Um, and that's, it, it just it, it's disheartening to really think about that's something that's being taken away from the college community, which is something that I think that should be more in the college community. What do you think students can do about this, if anything? Make their voice heard. Um, do what I'm doing. Do however you feel. Whatever you feel is in your your power to make your voice be heard, so that. People know like what's being cut because I think from the administration standpoint, it's easy to cut that program because it's it's not an uncommon trend to cut art, arts programs. It's usually the first thing to go, and at Umso they cut the dance program a little while ago, and that was taken. They were just taking little pieces off, and now that it's now that it's time to reassess the the financial situation of what programs they want to keep and what they want to do. It just seems like they're picking on the smallest group. Daniel, we have talked to administrators before, and, uh, you know, they have some pretty good arguments on their side as well. Student enrollment is declining, and there's fewer dollars available uh, from the states primarily. I mean, uh, these are not bad people trying to hurt students. They are people trying to manage with limited resources. Um. 
Yeah, well, there's there's two things to that. How are how are students going to continue to go to an institution where less services are being provided and institution or tuition uh, is going up? Um, you know, being a senior in the political uh, the political science department, um, I'm also a, about to start uh, graduate uh, studies uh, in January. One of the things that is being cut uh, in that department are graduate teaching assistants. Um, these positions are paid and they are integral to the research uh, done on campus and they are there to help out the faculty. But if those positions aren't there, um, one, it, it's not going to um, allow me or other students to pay their rents or to pay their bills. Um, and with the lack of uh, research uh, ability, it, it's going to do the department as a whole a disservice. Um, so, you know, there's really no incentive for students to stick around um, if they keep cutting services. Ryan, you're the, go ahead, uh, Professor. I, I was going to say it, it's inspiring to hear students talk about this, and I think it's important to point out that why we recognize that they're primary stakeholders, they're, they're kind of showing and reflecting a broader trend that we saw with some of the protests across many of the states dealing with secondary education that this is obviously something that people care deeply about, and it's important to hold the administration accountable, but it's also important to hold the ones holding the purse strings accountable. And I think it's, it's um, you know, groups like SEIU Local 1 and, and students like this by raising awareness and reaching out across our community, because it's not just potholes or it's not just the fact that I have to deliver pizza on weekends to try and make ends meet while teaching at several institutions. It's also about a lot of the things that um, community colleges and our universities do that reflect um, often community services like um, community, hosting community events, offering continued education positions, you know, obviously research and things like that. All of those things are at risk by cutting this funding, and all of those things actually, you know, help build our community and make us more attractive to employers and make our schools more attractive to students, which is, at the end of the day, the goal. Ryan Berry, you do have a voice, uh, perhaps with a little more volume than most because you're the editor of the paper. How are you dealing with this uh, editorially? Uh, we're trying to keep an eye on where our, our money is going right now. SIUE in general is in um, a good position. We've continued to increase enrollment over the past couple of years, even with uh, the state of Illinois cutting funding or not funding uh, higher education at all. Um, but there's still something to be said for the fact that, um, you know, a lot of our workers are in our mass communications department. Um, and that department has been underfunded for years now, or understaffed at the very least. Um, we have borderline outdated equipment in some places, and some classes haven't been offered in two or three years. Uh, we, we haven't had a photojournalism class since fall of 2015. Before that, it wasn't offered before... Uh, fall of 2011. What is going on between SIUE and SIU Carbondale? There's some tension there. There is. Um, so traditionally, Carbondale has had closer to 60% of the enrollment of the entire SIU system, and SIUE has been closer to 35%. And that is how the funding from the state has been split up. Uh, Carbondale's enrollment has tanked in the last decade or so, while SIUE's has increased, although not to the same amount. And as of this year, it's looking like SIUE might actually surpass SIUC in enrollment. 
but as of now, the funding split from the state is still at a about a 60-40 percentage. So there was uh, an item on the last Board of Trustees meeting trying to rectify some of that. Uh, it did not go through. Uh, they're waiting on some outside assessment to see where the money should be going. But in the meantime, uh, State Legislator uh, Representative Jay Hoffman has proposed uh, a bill that would split the two universities off into their own systems uh, going forward. Uh, we've reached a point where I have to take a break. We'll do that now and continue the conversation on the shrinking resources uh, at uh, this country's colleges and universities. We have three students from local institutions here as well as a professor. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back to our conversation on the impact of shrinking resources at colleges and universities. Dre, let me come back to you and also to Daniel with regard to what's going on at UMSL. Got a lot of attention this morning in the paper. Mm-hmm. And there is a committee that is studying the things that are potentially can be done. Uh, are there any students involved in these studies? Is it just, uh, is it just faculty and administrators? Um, not that I know of. Um, UMSL is usually pretty good at trying to get students on committees to hear the student's voice, but in terms of that, I'm not sure. Daniel, should they be represented? Um, Absolutely. Um, The committee that was put together um, to prioritize their, you know, departments, um, uh, they were made up of faculty that were not a part of the departments that are getting cut. Um, there were also no there was also no representation from the student government association uh, that was involved in those decisions so I think that um, you know the administration really kind of dropped the ball on that uh, with involving us and Ryan in your situation uh, so we have uh, students involved on the board of trustees um, but only one of them gets to vote a year, and it switches off every year whether or not it's SIUE or SIUC. So it just kind of depends who's looking out, if, mm-hmm. if the student trustee is going to look out for themselves or the system as a whole. Dennis McDonald, what do you make of that? Should students be represented in these uh, groups and and committees that are trying to figure this all out? Uh, absolutely. Again, students are some of the primary stakeholders um, that are suffering under the current crisis. But also, to build on that, um, traditionally, faculty members have been involved in a lot of decisions, and this budget crisis and the the rise of adjunct workers has impacted our ability to participate on the campus in two pretty profound ways. The first is our role with students. Again, I mentioned that, you know, all of the work that we do is not in the classroom, but if we're, you know, carrying six and nine and teaching more classes than even full-time positions, then we're not able to do the things like mentoring students writing letters of recommendation, but also the importance of adjunct faculty members, which on most campuses are close to or making up the majority of instructors on the campus. We're not able, we don't have the time to serve on committees to help set policy and things like that that traditionally um, faculty members were able to do because we're driving between campuses and we don't have the resources, even if some institutions do encourage us to do that. But again, it's a a time factor as, 
that uh, kind of curbs us from doing that. So it's not only destroying and hurting the students' representation, which is critical, but it's also hurting the ability of adjunct members to participate in those kind of decisions as well. What about the the movement toward unionization of uh, faculty members, adjunct professors, and what have you? I mean, that would only put a further strain on an already precarious budget situation. Well, I, I, I don't see it as a strain because, again, you know, groups like SEIU Local 1, they're not, you know, we're obviously fighting to improve our our poverty wages and the fact that we don't have health care and we're not able to participate in um, any of those kind of uh, benefits that people traditionally got from this work and kind of the piecemealing of our our discipline of our uh, careers into part-time jobs. But it's also about bringing in people like students and, you know, groups who work with students and working with all of the interested parties, including the community, and bringing them together to to basically hold our legislatures accountable and let people know that this is something we prioritize in our county, our region, and our state. And uh, again, I think you're seeing that across the country in terms of secondary education, and I think it's important, like what we're doing today, to um, let people know that this is a problem on, in, within higher education as well, and that we can't do something about it. It just takes the political will. And I think you're seeing that. We, we have a caller who wants to get into this part of the conversation. Let's bring him in. Gary is joining us from St. Louis. Gary, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Uh, so I uh, wanted to uh, make a comment that for several years now I've seen this going on, uh, and that is that the full-time faculty uh, and tenured faculty really does not bear their burden in these cuts. Uh, they always are left with an extremely light teaching schedule, whereas the part-time people have to bear uh, large class sizes that sometimes are almost impossible to bear. and very low pay with very little benefit, and uh, they be always bear the brunt of these things, and they've done it even before these extreme cuts uh, came into place. Uh, that's all I had to say. Gary, thanks for the call. Professor, you want to respond to that? Yeah, and Gary, he nailed it on the head, and that's one of the reasons the groups like the SEIU and the recent push toward organizing among adjunct faculty members is, you know, in order, in order for us to improve those conditions and to help solve this problem, we need to be organized as, you know, as a, as a lone person, you know, struggling under that system, it's really hard to do anything about it, but together, and, and you've seen some of those changes on campuses like St. Louis Community College, and the involvement of the union and other things that are, I think are really beneficial for the campus as a whole. We've talked about the potential uh, as some of these things are ironed out. Dre Link, may come back to you and put the same question to, uh, to the other, other guests as well. We know what the potential impact could be. What has the impact been so far? Have you, how have you been directly impacted by this uh, shrinking financial situation? Well, um, f- firstly, it's like they said um, with the adjunct faculty. It, it comes, it becomes very obvious in teaching styles and how they respond to students when they're becoming. Um, tired and worn down from those same um, items that were just spoken about. Um, And it has also affected me in terms of what's next for me. Should I stay at this institution? Uncertainty. Yeah, for the most part. In, in In a lot of different aspects, it's uncertainty. And I understand that they not only want to get more students, but the question is, are you going to retain students? Daniel, same question to you. Um, yeah, like as I said before, um, going into uh, my graduate studies uh, in January, um, the graduate teaching assistants uh, positions in my department won't be there. If I can just interrupt. So your concern really is uh, is with what lies ahead, but have you been impacted up to this point, aside from that uncertainty factor? Um, 
Yes. Um, I, it has directly uh, impacted me as, as a student um, because, uh, you know, our, well, they're consolidating our program. So, uh, you know, what does that mean for my, uh, for my degree? Um, the, the thing that I've got to think about now is, you know, is, is my degree going to be devalued um, mm-hmm. going forward? Because, you know, like Dre, his department is being inactivated. Yes. Um, if he continues and gets his degree and goes out and finds, uh, finds employment, they're going to look at his degree as something that's devalued because his and you're program gonna, got And you're going to be 60 grand in debt. And I'm going to be 60 grand in debt. Ryan, quickly from you as well. Uh, one of the biggest troubles I've had uh, with the mass communications pro- uh, program at SIUE has been just the lack of classes. Um, in a lot of cases, it's because the department is understaffed and or underfunded, and it's not like the department's fault itself. But there are there's sometimes one section with 15 slots for a, what is a required course for the biggest track in that uh, entire department, and that's a semester. So 15 kids who might need that class, if if they're lucky, they'll get in. But there's usually more than 15 seniors trying to get into a class. We've only got very very quickly, if you would, Daniel. Uh, yes, um, to uh, answer your question about what can students do um, to raise their voice um, on May 14th, we're having an intercollegiate uh, demonstration down in front of the Carnahan Building. Uh, from 9 to 1, we're going to have some student speakers there. We'll, we'll put some information on that on our website. Yeah, absolutely. Before you leave, you give us all of that. I want to get back to the professor for a final word in 35 seconds. Professor, uh, your, your final thought on this. Um, I just, uh, once again, I'm encouraged that students are speaking out, and I think it's important that we listen to them, but I think it's it's also important that we remember it's not just my paycheck or a certain program. All of those things are obviously important. This is you know, our institutions as a whole are at risk, and community colleges, our universities, our state system, all of those, that's a vehicle for lifting people out of poverty, and we're putting all that at risk. As the tuitions rise, rises, less people are going to be able to afford to um, use that, use higher education as a vehicle to lift themselves out of poverty. And I think if you're interested, and again, you know, work with the students, talk to students, make your voice heard, organize, hold the legislatures accountable, and show them that this is something that we as a region care about. I want to thank you so much for that. That's another very important point, obviously. So thanks to Ryan Berry, Daniel Redifer, Dre Williams, and Dennis McDonald for being with us today. This is a situation that's not going to go away soon, I fear, and we'll be talking about it more. Thank you all for being with us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. 